Hi, I'm Robin Birkin and welcome to the Fertility Warriors podcast, a place for women struggling to conceive to find emotional support, conception advice and real talk. To me, being a warrior means true glory is in rising every time we fall, having the courage to be afraid and being ready for whatever challenges cross our path. So welcome warrior, you're on your way. I promise to support and guide you on every single episode. Let's begin. Hi warrior and welcome back to another episode of the Fertility Warriors. I'm so happy that you're here and tuning in and I'm going to do this episode a little bit differently to some of the others. I'm going to start with my lessons and I think it's really important for somebody out there to bring the next steps on this journey to you because if I reference one of the mind-body studies out there and I know this study because my course is a mind-body course which is all about how to improve your fertility by improving you know your mind and your body and this study showed that women who undertook a mind-body course improved their fertility by 50% but also that 90% fell pregnant within two years. So many of you, I hope, will also fall pregnant, you know, really quickly and had a bit of a controversial Instagram post just recently that I really thought highlighted that once women fall pregnant, that they may feel like there's no community for them. Like it does happen. The fertility clinic, you get to like six weeks, they do a viability ultrasound to check if there's a heartbeat and they go, see you later, good luck. And then you're like, what? You know, and after having people so rigorously check your blood results and that everything's okay and things like that, that then all of a sudden you're kind of left in the wilderness and everyone's like, fingers crossed, everything pans out for you. But also that we really need to foster that community. And so if you are on the next steps, well, number one, this is a six-part series at this stage. So there's a few episodes that have already published. Please do read my or listen to my episode on my breastfeeding journey because I think that'll be really relevant to today's episode. But I also want to let you know that we have a Pregnancy and Mama Facebook group and legit the women in this group are amazing. Like they're just so supportive. They're always there commenting. A lot of the questions are not kind of the same, but they're really valid questions that people ask. And it's just a really beautiful place. It's not overwhelmed with a thousand posts a day, but there's just a couple of hundred people in there and it's a really great space. So if infertility has and struggling to conceive has been part of your story and you would like a safe place to discuss pregnancy, parenting, mama stuff, then definitely head to the show notes of this episode and click on the link to join our linked Facebook group, which is all for pregnancy and mamas. And, you know, it's not only for questions and worries and things like that. It's also for celebrating these milestones because, fuck, you've been a warrior and you've struggled for so long that hopefully you can take a minute to just celebrate some of the success that you've had. So getting on to today's episode, I'm talking all about babies and sleep. So I have two children now, Chloe and Olivia, Freaking chalk and cheese all around. But when it comes to sleep, these two have been chalk and cheese. And I did not have one of those magical unicorn babies that slept through the night at four weeks. 
So I definitely have almost like the worst case scenario. So if anything, you will at least feel better about your scenario after listening to my journey with babies and sleep. So like I said, I'm going to start with some of the lessons. So basically, I'm going to tell you what the lessons are. And then I'm just going to share my story of babies and sleep and you'll be like, ah, okay, I see why she said that. So number one is just appreciate your body and what your body can endure, like especially with, you know, growing a human being from zero. But our bodies can do really incredible things. And even when we're on our fertility journey, man, our bodies are always trying to work with us and our bodies are always trying to prepare for us and you know when we're trying to I guess prepare for conception and when we're doing mind body programs and things like that a lot of it comes down to creating space and there's a reason why we need to create space and almost prepare our bodies for this big long marathon and that's because the demands of babies and pregnancy is legit. It requires endurance. So it feels like infertility is this freaking long marathon, but we actually need to prepare for the next marathon that comes, which is pregnancy and early parenting. But sit back and just be amazed by what your body can do, especially when giving birth is a major thing, that then you go into basically not sleeping. And that's pretty incredible that your body is actually set up to do that. That said, also give yourself some grace because it takes a while for our bodies to recover. And especially me after having two children who were exactly two years apart, I feel like even Olivia is two and a half years old, that my body is still in some respects recovering from that. And I think that's quite normal. I think that's also a sign that maybe now it's time to look after myself. But that's lesson number one. Lesson number two, it's kind of the recurring theme of everything that I talk about, and that's get help. Don't just sit there and suffer. Don't feel like you can't ask for second opinions. You can't go out there and get professional help. And it occurred to me that some people might be thinking, yeah, but I don't have the money to do that, Robin. And I think that that comes down to a bit of a mindset thing sometimes. I have definitely spent money on lactation consultants and sleep consultants, which is not to say that we are loaded It's just to say that we prioritize our expenses differently. So, for example, we don't have Netflix or in Australia we have something called Stan as well. We don't have any of that. So there are definitely things that we spend money on, but there's definitely things that we also don't spend money on. And I would prefer to prioritize, I guess, other things in my life. So number three is that everyone's situation is different. And especially when we come into parenting and motherhood, like it's really easy to be like, well, that sounds a bit weird, but everyone's situation is different. Every little child is really different and children can't read. They haven't always read the manual. So they're going to do what they're going to do. And we just have to go along with the flow with that. Number four is that there is light at the end of the tunnel. So wherever you're at, even if you're on your infertility journey at the moment, there's an end to everything. Like everything in life is a stage. And when 
I get to number seven, then I'll talk a bit more to that. But there is always light at the end of the tunnel. So the stage that you're in now, whatever stage that is, that stage is not going to last forever, I promise. The next one is, as I said, sometimes you can do everything by the book, but things still don't work out. So when we look at our fertility journey, you could be doing all of the diet. You can be doing all of the things that you're supposed to be doing right. It's the same with pregnancy. It's the same with parenting. You could be doing everything by the book and sometimes things still are not going to go the way that you had hoped. So we've just got to be able to surrender and roll with the punches of what's going on. Number six is you can go your own way. Just because a book, just because your mother's group, just because somebody else tells you that this is the way you should do everything, it's about what feels really good for you and what feels right for you. And I feel like in society these days we've become a little bit detached from our intuition and our inner knowing And it's okay to go your own way. It's totally okay to do your own thing. Number seven, I might even do a whole podcast on this, I think, is stop always waiting for the transition to finish, okay? Life is one big transition. So if all you're doing is always waiting for the next stage to finish, then all you're doing is waiting because, you know, once one transition finishes, another transition will begin and then it all starts over again. And then all you do is wait and not get happy about where you're at now. So it's all about embracing the chaos of right now. And if I could have one word to describe parenting, especially parenting multiple children, the word is chaos. The next one is that it gets better. There's a few little pieces of parenting advice that I kind of listened to. And one was it gets better at three weeks, six weeks, three months, six months. I feel like it gets better. Some people are like, it just gets different, Robin. But I actually feel like it gets better. And I do feel like it gets easier. And the stage that I'm at now, I've got a two-year-old and a four-year-old. And I feel like for me, that's definitely easier than juggling a baby and a toddler. The very last one is that sometimes you don't really know or you don't really understand until you're in a particular situation. So if you are still on the infertility roller coaster and you're listening to that, props to you for listening to this, but you may want to also then listen to this again when you're in it and like in the middle of the night at 3 a.m. when you're like, the fuck is going on? I've never slept this little in my life. Am I ever going to have a full night's sleep again? So ditto if you're pregnant right now. Ditto if you have one of the magical babies who is sleeping through the night and then all shit hits the fan. You want to listen to this, definitely listen to it now, but you want to listen to this when you're in the thick of it and you can kind of relate to what's going on because do you know what? Before I even fell pregnant, one of my friends was like, you know, I've read this book, Save Our Sleep. It's really popular in Australia. Um, There's also a lady called Gina Ford. She's really popular in the UK. It's like really strict baby schedules and a little bit kind of cried out stuff. And she was like, I've just read this book and I just wanted to see both sides of the argument. Mate, if you had told me anything about baby sleep before my baby was born, I would not have fully understood or really grasped that concept. I was so clueless. So while we start about, you know, me being really clueless, I think it's time for us to start this episode. So Chloe was born 
I knew nothing about baby sleep. I do you know if I look and I think this all the time. You know, people talk about babies not sleeping and like not sleeping through the night and stuff like that. And I never really understood it. I was like, yeah, right, okay. And then in my mind, I think I probably thought like, what is that for a week or two weeks? Is that three weeks that they just wake a lot during the night? And if I cut to the punchline, Chloe Birkin did not sleep through the night until she was 19 months old. One, nine, 19 months old. At mother's group, everyone just used to look at me like, whoa. And they used to always say hashtag Chloe because Chloe just does things the way Chloe would like to do things. And (laughs) that was sort of how that worked. And I said to myself, and this is where we talk about going your own way, my husband owns his own business and he runs a bricklaying company and he has to be up super early in the morning. He's dealing with heavy machinery like cranes, big loads of bricks. We've had people slice open ankles and things like that from slipping on mud. You've got to be on your A game when you are around dangerous tools. And so I always said, you know what? I accept that my role is going to be as the person who wakes up in the night. So we put a single bed in Chloe's room rather than having a bassinet in our room. So like I said, chalk and cheese, my two kids. I'll tell you about Olivia after I tell you about Chloe because it was slightly different. But I said, okay, I'm going to put a single bed in Chloe's room. And then if I need to wake up with her in the night, that's what I'll do. And so that was how we started everything. And I had Chloe in, it was a Tetra tea tree mattress. And then it had this thing called a snuggle bed or snuggle. I think it was called a snuggle bed. Anyway, like, so people now have this thing called a snoo. And it was basically like this little tiny cocooning thing that you just put in the cot and then when you want to transition you just basically put them in the cot and that was my plan for what I would do with Chloe I didn't even have a bassinet I just had this thing Chloe was born if you learn from my breastfeeding journey my milk didn't come in for 10 days and I didn't really realize that that was happening because first child how do you know I got sent home from the hospital I didn't have any clue we started mixed feeding but I feel like that probably impacted the journey because it wasn't like I was nursing and then this baby had a full tummy and went to bed straight away. It's kind of a bit of a rocky journey and she was probably quite overtired. The long story short, also Chloe, I have now learned, doesn't need a lot of sleep, right? This kid is like a 5am kid. She just wakes up at 5am and she's not even tired. She can stay up at night. She can, you know, she can resist sleeping and she doesn't get grouchy or anything like that. She's just happy to stay awake. And that's what she can do. But I remember it was six weeks old and I went to see the child health nurse specialist because we have scheduled appointments here in Australia. And I was like, "Um, I basically spend all day rocking and carrying her and she only has two 10-minute naps in the day. And then because she's overtired, it takes me about two hours at night to get her to sleep. Like it was fucking chaos. I could not get her to sleep anywhere. Like I just couldn't get her to go to sleep in the day other than if I was walking her around and like rocking her. She just wanted to be carried all day. And that's actually so true to her personality even now. But on the same token, from me, I think, 
walking her around the room and then rocking her. She was also getting really overstimulated. So partly my fault as well, being a new mum. How do you know these things? Like, how do you just magically know these things? Anyway, but we were in this rut where I couldn't get her to sleep in the day and then at night, you know, that was the story. She would wake up multiple times at night to nurse. She was a really nursey baby as well. Like she wanted to nurse all the time. She had reflux as well. She would sometimes throw up projectile vomit, whole feeds, like babies spit up, babies, you know, like throw up bits all the time. But I'm talking like sometimes the whole feed would come out, like we would both be completely drenched and I'd be like, what just happened there? So all of these things came into play. The child health nurse was like, that is exhausting. I don't even know how your milk hasn't dried up by now from just being so purely exhausted from that. So she sent us to a government-run sleep school. There's a big misconception out there that sleep school is all about just letting babies cry it out. Lots of research has come to play that shows that just dumping a baby in a cot and walking away can be a little bit detrimental to their health and their stress levels and things like that. However, I've come to learn that sometimes actually kids cry and they cry also when they're really tired. So I had this attitude that I'm never going to let my baby ever cry. But actually, Robin, if I'm talking to myself in the early days, actually sometimes babies cry because they're tired. So sometimes when we're trying to do what we think is in our child's best interest, it's not always in our child's best interest. And they might be crying because they so desperately want some help to go to sleep. So anyway, the things you learn. I went to sleep school and this is one of the best pieces of advice that I ever received about baby sleep, about baby feeding, about the whole thing. Babies don't know what they want from one second to the next or from one minute to the next. And we went there and this lady was like, okay, so give her a bit of a rock, like walk her around the room for a little bit and put the dummy in. I was like, yeah, but she just spits the dummy right out. And she was like, babies don't know what they want from one minute to the next. Walk her around a few more seconds and then see if she wants the dummy again. She would take the dummy after the second try. What the? Anyway, the other thing that I learned, especially when it comes to baby sleep, is be persistent, be consistent. So whatever you do, and this has come into play a lot more with toddler sleep, if you keep changing the way that things happen, then they don't really know, like, well, okay, well, what is the routine? What is the plan? And we change it up because we're like, okay, that's not working. Maybe I'll try the next thing. But sometimes it's about them getting used to and understanding the cues. And then it's like signaling to their brain that this is about, like, this is what happens next. This is how this happens. And so we started a routine and I started giving her a dummy and that was a way to sort of get her to sleep. I tried so desperately and I feel like I wasted so much time doing this. She never slept more than half an hour, 45 minutes ever until she went to one nap at like really early at like 10 months old. Never. And I spent so much time trying to like, and people say, wait till you get to 40 minutes and sleep cycles are 45 minutes long. Wait till you get to 40 minutes and then gently give them a little nudge so that it like stirs them and then they go back into the next sleep stage. There's literally all this advice out there that tells you like what to do and then we change the routine and there's all these timed routines and things like that. Anyway, the long story short is I ended up trying it all with Chloe 
And I ended up finding most of my happy place with actually putting her in the wrap. This kid, I had this beautiful wrap and this kid lived in my wrap for pretty much the first year of her life. She just loved, she loves physical touch. She loves being cuddled. That's just who Chloe is. And so in the day, I ended up being like, you know what? I'm just going to go out and about. I'm just going to enjoy my life. I'm going to go shopping. I'm going to do all these things. And I was so scared at the beginning to just leave the house. I was so worried because she was always kind of overtired that, you know, she would cry when I was out. And now second time around, it's so funny because the whole situation was so different. Anyway, she basically ended up going in the wrap most of the time during the day. And we went out and about all the time. We went on a trip when she was six months old to Japan and Singapore. And she just loved hanging out in the wrap, having cuddles with me and sightseeing and going out. And that's just who she is. Night times were a different story. I tried everything to get her to sleep at night. And I ended up being able to get her to sleep, but she used to wake a ridiculous number of times to nurse. We tried night weaning her at 10 months to see if that would make a difference. It was a big fat fail. And then I remember at 12 months going to see the fertility specialist because they wanted us to try fairly quickly for number two. And him saying to me, how many times does she nurse in a 24 hour period? And I was like, "Eh, about 12. And like eight of those were overnight. (laughs) And you know, that was just how she was. And we ended up weaning her at, I think I want to say like around 13, 14 months because we needed to try for IVF again or ICSI again for our second child. At 14 months, it was like there were vipers in her cot. She was not interested in her cot whatsoever. Like she just wouldn't go in it as in like holding onto the edges, like don't pull me in, don't pull me in. She just wanted to sleep in that single bed next to me. So I ended up, she slept in the single bed next to me. That's how we rolled. She just cuddled me all night and we ended up putting her in a bed and I ended up getting to five months pregnant. I was like, I cannot, I'm too big now. I cannot sleep in this bed with her. I'm too big. I'm too uncomfortable. So we ended up getting this tiny little 19 month old kid, a double bed and I would like sleep in the double bed with her. It was funny though that just after we got the double bed at 19 months, she started sleeping through the night for the first time ever. So that was a bit weird, but this tiny little thing in this big, big bed. And that was just how Chloe rolled. Like, you know, she wanted to do what she wanted to do. Over this course of time, I had an internet consultation with like an online sleep lady. The name Violet comes to play. Someone who's got Violet, I think somewhere in the name. I had a consultation online with her. We ended up going back to sleep school because, you know, she didn't want to sleep alone and because I was falling pregnant. And one of the things that that lady said is, again, like be consistent, be persistent. You can just wait at the door and sit there and say, look, I'm going to I'm going to watch you while you're sleeping and watch you while you fall asleep. And if we've had all sorts of different things with Chloe, she's coming to the bed lots of times and we kind of just roll with the punches now. We're not bothered at all about how it works. She definitely gets enough sleep in a 24-hour period. So that was my story of muddling it through with Chloe, as well as having these three sleep school consultations. 
I read all the books. Guys, I read Gina Ford. I read Save Our Sleep. I read a book about responsive settling. I read all the books. If you had a sleep problem, I swear to I don't want I don't want to swear to God, but I swear to you, I would be able to give you a strategy for sleep because I know all the strategies that are out there because I have read all the books. I would sit there and rock Chloe whilst on my phone quickly devouring a sleep book. This is how bananas it was and how much bloody time I wasted on somebody who was never going to change. Like I tried all the strategies and I was consistent. I was consistent. They just like, for whatever reason, they didn't work for us. And so many people out there will be like, yeah, but, and I'm like, no, no, I don't think you understand. I tried all that. She just wanted to do what she just wanted to do because Chloe is a physical touchy kind of kid who doesn't need a lot of sleep. So anyway, Olivia, I was like, do you know what? going to be a fucking piece of cake because I know exactly how to get kids to sleep. I'm not going to rock her. I'm going to put her straight in the bassinet from the start. I'm going to be an absolute pro at this. And I just thought I was going to be the business. And I was like, but you know what? I'm also prepared to not sleep for 19 months because I can do it once and I can do it again. And like, I remember when I had Chloe, I was laid in bed when she was four months old and thinking to myself, oh my God, this is the worst. When do babies sleep through the night? So I was sat there in the dark in the room with her looking on my phone. Like you can picture it now. Like when do babies sleep through the night? Googling it. And it said, many babies sleep through the night at six months, but there are some children who don't sleep through the night until they're two years old. And I was thinking, what the actual fuck? I would like physically, I would die by the time that that happened. (laughs) Like actually thinking I would die. I got to eight months, I think it was, and again, I was like, there's no way, like there's actually no way that I can keep doing this because I'm so fucking tired, but yet we did. And I got to maybe like 15 months and just thinking like, no, you know what, four or five hours sleep is totally fine. I can totally roll with this. And it's true. I definitely do not need as much sleep as I used to. I'm just used to it. Then, and I, yeah, I remember Googling in the middle of the night and just thinking, oh my God, I'll positively die. I will actually die if I don't get this sleep. And then Olivia came through and I was like, no, you know what? I'm an expert. I can totally do this, but I'm not going to need to not sleep because I'll just be fine. And then Olivia was born. We had feeding issues again with Olivia. So she was always constantly overtired. And when you throw a two-year-old in the mix as well, that I'm trying to put a baby down and then a two-year-old runs into the room and is like, mommy, 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 can I have a drink? And, you're, and the baby's like, bing, wide awake. It's so different. Like it's really hard. And, I, you know, I thought I was a pro. Roscoe said to me, he's like, you know what, this time around, if you want to have a bassinet in the room, I can handle it. And that literally lasted 30 minutes. (laughs) We bought a bassinet. She had maybe like three or four sleeps in it during the day before Chloe used to try and climb the side of the bassinet and knock the whole bassinet over. It never happened. But we were like, ah, this is a hazard. She actually needs to sleep in her bed. And then 
Ross was like, oh, yeah, we'll do the bassinet. But then babies make all these funny noises while they're sleeping. They snort and all sorts, and especially Olivia because she always had this kind of wheezy problem. And even though we would give her Ventolin, et cetera, she'd still sometimes make these weird noises. And so he was like, oh, my God, is she all right? What's that? What's going on? And I was like, oh, my God, this is a baby. Anyway, so I was like, yeah, nah, we're just going to go sleep the way that we did with Chloe. So same thing, I slept in that room, but uh, it was such a different experience. With Chloe, I got rid of the baby monitor at about 10 months. I wanted to get rid of it as soon as I could because just of the electromagnetic waves, I feel like we still don't know really what the research says about those. And by that point, I was like, you know what, I'll hear her if she needs me. Most of the time I'm in the bloody bed with her anyway. And then with Olivia... I don't even think we really use the monitor because I was like, I can hear you and I don't sleep soundly anyway. I slept with Olivia for the first little while and then I was like, no, I'm going to sleep in my own bed. I can hear her if she's okay. I'll check on her when I go to feed her. So we never really used the monitor with Olivia because I could just hear her and I was checking on her so many times. She used to nurse a lot in the night I remember going to visit the GP uh, uh, doctor and just every time before she was six months old he'd be like how are you going how's she going with sleep and I'd be like oh my god she's positively awful but I'm not really going to do anything about it and I would just hope and pray that she would nurse to sleep because what was wrong with Olivia is that she would like hysterically cry and cry and cry before bed every night, like hysterically. And I know all the things about sleep. Like, oh, I thought I knew all the things about sleep, but there was something just not like, I don't know what it was. It wasn't really reflux or that she was hurting. It wasn't that she wanted to be cuddled. I like, I literally tried everything and she was overtired. Like she wouldn't be tired when I put her down, but then she would. And she's just actually... Knowing her now as a two-year-old, she's just bloody stubborn. I don't know. She wants what she wants. Uh, To this day, I still do not know what was going on or if it was just she was tired or if it's just that she likes to have a little cry before she goes to sleep. Chloe is the type of person that when she's ready to go to sleep, she'll close her eyes and she's out like a light. Olivia will just sit there in her bed. She'll look around. She'll sing herself some songs. Then she'll just stare into space and blink So Olivia takes quite a while to kind of settle herself down and go to sleep. So I think that that's what it might have been. But together with the sleep issues, together with, you know, I'd be trying to put her down for a nap and Chloe would be running in and out. But also, like, I'd be trying to get Olivia to sleep. And I said to myself, I'm never going to rock her to sleep. I'm never going to. I'm just going to put her in the cot and let her go. But like I said, she would cry and cry and cry. And even for naps, that it got to the point where it would take me 45 minutes to get her down for a nap, at which point she'd nap for 20 minutes. So I'd only get this 20 precious minutes with Chloe on my own. And I was like, fuck this, you know, my motto, get help. I was like, I'm going to get help. And it wasn't necessarily that we could afford it because it was it was a good couple hundred bucks. But I was like, I'm just going to get someone to come to the house and try and work out what exactly is going on with this baby in her own environment and things like that. And so it was a sleep company called Caroline's Angels. They're lovely ladies. And the advice I received, I felt was invaluable. Just the way that she helped me get her to sleep and understand 
what was going on with Olivia that I think it really helped. And don't get me wrong, she still had times when she would cry and I would be sat there like patting her and trying to help her and trying to help her get to sleep, but it really saved my sanity in having someone come out to my house. And I've actually had heaps of friends have these ladies come out to their house and it's amazing having them come because they can see the exact scenario. She also gave me all of these strategies for how to get Chloe and her to sleep together because that's really hard. When you've just got one child, you can devote all your attention to that one child. When you're trying to get, and Ross is often still at work, when I was trying to get two people to sleep at the same time and I would have situations like how fucking stressful is this that I'd have two people at the same time in their beds just crying their eyes out and I'd be like, my God, who do I help now? How do I do this? They didn't want to sleep together. They both wanted to go to sleep because they were both tired. Anyway, so she really helped me with those strategies. I mean, there's not really any point in me telling you the exact strategies because it's so different for every child. What every child needs is really different. And just a strategy for how I would time the bedtime routine. Who goes to bed first? How do I put them to bed? What do we do? And we ended up with this cool little routine where... Chloe would watch a little show while I'd be putting Olivia down in her bed and that was like the big sister little treat, like a 10-minute show on TV and you think to yourself, oh, my God, I'm not allowed to watch TV and I'm like, mate. And so this is what the sleep consultant who was a nurse said and I was like, you know what, I feel really validated. She's like, you've got two kids now. Sometimes people are going to cry. Sometimes you have to tend to one while the other waits. That's what it's about having, you know, like a sister and things like that. And so we had this beautiful routine. We'd read books together. We'd put one to sleep, then put the next to sleep and go from there. Olivia was terrible with sleeping through the night up until about eight months old. And with Chloe, I was so conscious of trying to do everything right and trying not to nurse to sleep and then read a book and then do this and then do this. With Olivia, I was like, oh my God, I just hope that she nurses to sleep because then it'll just be really easy to put her down and I don't care if she wakes a thousand times at night because I just want her to go down easily and all of a sudden at eight months Olivia started sleeping through the night just all of a sudden and Olivia is now (laughs) my better sleeper nine times out of ten Olivia sleeps through the night And she doesn't want cuddles or anything. I was so prepared when Olivia was born. I was like, yes, we're going to go out. We're going to be like hit the road, go on so many excursions, the three of us. She's going to sleep in the wrap. I cannot wait for those baby cuddles in the wrap. What I would give to go back to having a baby that just slept in the wrap and cuddled me all day. But anyway, she didn't want a bar of it. If you've ever heard of this book, The Five Love Languages, it'll change your relationship with your partner. It'll also change your relationship with your children and we have a whole module where we talk about this in the fertility warrior intensive but Olivia's love language is not physical touch Chloe's is I'll sometimes sit there with Olivia and try to snuggle her in bed and she'll be like and I'm good now or like I would try and cuddle her before she went to sleep and she'd like arch her back backwards to be like and put me down in the cot please I'm ready to go to sleep So it just goes to show, but eight months, she all of a sudden just started sleeping through the night. I did nothing to encourage it. I didn't even need to night wean because she just did it on herself because she just wanted to go to sleep. 
There are these unicorn babies that sleep through at four weeks old. There are some babies like my Chloe B who only sleep through at 19 months old and just would, you know, love people to cuddle them all night long. So just goes to show every kid's different. Let me just recap that list of nine things. And, you know, I don't know if you've had anything helpful from this. Hopefully you have, but here are the nine lessons. Number one, your body and what it can endure is incredible. You need to make space for that emotionally and physically where you can to allow your body to go through this marathon. Number two, get help. Okay. There's so much free help on the internet. There's free help on YouTube. There's free help on Instagram. If you can, you know, the ultimate is getting someone to come to your house. If you feel like you're struggling, you will never regret that money. I swear to you, but always get help. Whatever your situation, if you're currently on the infertility roller coaster. Whatever you're struggling with, are you struggling with the diet side? Are you struggling with the emotional side? You will never regret getting help of this professional kind. Number three, everyone's situation is different and every baby and what they need is completely different. Number four, there is light at the end of the tunnel. Most nights now, I sleep through the night. You'll be pleased to know. Number five, sometimes like my experience with Chloe, you can read all the books, you can do everything by the books and it still doesn't work. You just got to keep trying new things. You've got to keep persevering on the path. And sometimes you just got to put one foot in front of the other and ride it out. Number six, you can go your own way. If you want to sleep in the baby's room, do it. If you wanted the baby to just go straight to a cot, like Olivia ended up just going basically straight to a cot at 10 weeks old. And that was a sleep consultant's advice. You can do that. You can do whatever you want, provided that it's safe for your baby. Number seven, stop always waiting for the transitions to end. It's all a transition. And, you know, I don't regret, but I spent so much wasted time trying to get Chloe to sleep longer than 45 minutes and things like that, because the books said that they were supposed to have an hour and a half or two sleep cycles where we could have been enjoying more adventures. Life is one huge transition. Just embrace it. Number eight, it gets better at three weeks, six weeks, three months, six months, and on and on. Like it just keeps getting better and it keeps changing and it keeps being different. So if where you're at right now feels really hard, just keep going. Everything is like ends at some point. The very last one, number nine, sometimes you don't know until you're in it. Like me, in the middle of the night, at four months old, Googling when do babies sleep through the night and being sorely disappointed that some only (laughs) sleep through the night when they're two years old. But you know what? Now that I'm on the other side of that, it was so beautiful. And I'm so grateful to have had all of those beautiful nights in the bed with Chloe cuddling me. I'm grateful to have had so many moments of having her in the wrap. I'm grateful for all of the moments that I've had with my children. Thank you so much for listening. We have a few more episodes left in this series so make sure that you jump on and check them out thanks for listening guys catch you next time thank you for listening to the fertility warriors podcast with me your host robin birkin 
If you would like more tools, resources, and courses to help you survive your journey, please head to robinberkin.com. And if you like this podcast, please share it with others. I look forward to catching you at the next episode.